The divisional round matchup against the Green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys is nearly upon us, and we're waiting on pins and needles to find out if Jordy Nelson will be available. We bring on Scott McKenna of the Talkin' Smack blog to discuss the game plan with and without Nelson. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Brian Caravu. We're talking some Packers football this morning. We're getting ready for a playoff game against the Dallas Cowboys. To do that, we have a guest joining us on the phone today. Expert interview. We have Scott McKenna of the Talk at Smack blog joining us as he does the second Friday of every month. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic, Brian. How are you doing, my man? Good. Good to hear your voice. Glad you're back on the show once again before a big divisional round matchup against the Cowboys. So on today's episode, we'll be running through the Packers' contingency plans. One, if all hands are on deck, and one, if they have to deal with injury both on offense and on defense. And Scott, let's start today's discussion with the offensive side of the football uh, and we'll start with the all-hands-on-deck scenario and assume Jordy Nelson will be available miraculously despite breaking two ribs last week against the New York Giants. Scott, how effective is this offense when the Packers have all their weapons available, including Jordy Nelson? It, it really has taken on a, a, a form that the pack that we haven't really seen maybe in, in our lifetime together as a, as Packer fans, right? Like if, uh, if you look at the way that they've, they're able to use just great versatility and, and uh, with their players like Montgomery and Allison and Adams and cook and Nelson, where they can basically line each of those players can line up in two to three different spots. And, uh, and, and they're just really tough to defend. You don't know, when, when they're in the huddle, you don't know where they're going to be lining up when they approach the line of scrimmage. And I think that just really gives confusion to defensive coordinators. And I credit Mike McCarthy, you know, for being able to uh, not be a, a bullheaded mind at midseason and to really be flexible in his approach as to, you know, how he was going to alter his approach, if you will, um, from a strategical mindset and not being mundane and, and um, how he was designing the offense and, you know, that imagination that he's brought um, with uh, with with uh, yeah, um, allowing players to to line up in different formations and in different spots has really just uh, lit a true fire under this uh, this offense and and uh, and Aaron Rodgers in particular. Yeah, that's an interesting point you bring up about the versatility. I, I certainly think when the Packers won the Super Bowl in 2010, that group of receivers they had might be more talented. You know, when, when you had Greg Jennings and Donald Driver and Jordy Nelson and James Jones and then 
at least when he was healthy, you had Jermichael Finley. I know he went down that season, so you had to rely more on guys like, who was it at the time, Donald Lee and, and Andrew Corliss. But I think this group they have right now is more versatile. They can line up in different spots on the field, and uh, you know a guy like Ty Montgomery can do things like line up in the backfield to line out uh, out wide. It's it really is. Uh, it's a testament to the creativity of the offense and and including the coaching staff that devises the schemes that puts them out on the field. Um, Scott, you, you know, there's there's been some discussion, I believe, sparked by a national radio appearance by Aaron Rodgers bringing up that Nelson could wear a Kevlar vest this weekend. What do we think of the possibility of that happening and, you know, the possibility of him playing in general? Well, you know, I, whether he plays or he doesn't, I mean, I think his spirit on the sidelines and uh, and in uniform would be uplifting, even if it's for 10 to 15 plays. I think just his uh, his mere presence um, and his ability to get deep down the field, if he's still got his uh, um, um, you know his lungs behind him, right? Like uh, if he can if he can still stretch the field, that's uh, that's a dimension that he offers better than any other player on our team, maybe with the exception of Jared Cook. And uh, um, with that with that said, just to you know, he's uh, he became such a weapon for the Packers out of the slot midseason. And uh, just, you know, McCarthy didn't uh, he 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 um, he almost had a revolution as to how the, the Packers were utilizing him. And when they moved him into the slot, which I don't know how effective he could be as a slot receiver and running across the middle with, uh, you know, whatever it is, two broken ribs or I don't I don't know if it's the report is absolutely official yet. But, you know, I, I just wonder how he could be utilized and what type of route design. Um, they could they could have with Nelson but the great piece that he would bring is even if he's a decoy and you're using him to stretch the field Nelson when he's when he's running that deep route he immediately commands attention of a safety and that's opening up everything underneath and I'm not sure that any other receiver on the Packers roster uh, immediately commands that double team I know Janice has the speed to stretch but he just doesn't seem to command the respect of the defensive coordinator when he's on the field. So when you when you think of the, the shot play that we've often seen, that play action pass, Rogers roll into his right, and you know, there's Nelson streaking across the field, that that play's available to you. And maybe you're looking at the underneath route instead of Nelson deep down the field if Nelson is on. But the defense, he's gonna keep the defense honest. And uh, you know, that that piece is uh um uh, of the design, I think is uh, is going to be an interesting um, uh, component to the game to watch. Is to if Nelson is available, how is he going to be utilized, and is he going to be more of a decoy, or is he going to be somebody that the that the Packers are genuinely going to target? Brian, I have to jump back one thing though. What you just said about Montgomery stepping to the outside and yep. being able to use the outside, I, there, there's 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 a key point to the game against the Giants that I think oftentimes gets overlooked by Packer fans and Packer fans will look at Mike McCarthy's performance against the Giants. And, you know, the first thing they're going to think about is how in the world does he go for it on fourth and one when we're up 14 to six and the defense is actually starting to play well and we're in complete control and, and Shum was punting well and uh, presumably was going to pin them back deep inside their 20. And that's going to be the first play that they highlight. The first play that really jumps out at me is the third and 10 from the 30-yard line, the Packers led 24 to 13. 
uh, I believe there was roughly 13 minutes or, or, or 13 and change to play in the game. And I, you know, you've heard me talk about the championship drive, that drive mm-hmm. that really puts the dagger into the opponent's heart. And I loved what McCarthy called there. And he put Montgomery to the outside on the perimeter as a wide receiver and ran him on an underneath route. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, Adams had the wink, wink pick on, uh, on Jenkins. And then I said, <laughs> you know, it, it, uh, Montgomery has 34 yards and and, uh, and a Packers first down and we're in business and Giants territory and that sort of flexibility from an offensive perspective and allowing McCarthy to be creative in his play calling design is just truly one of those things that uh, makes things uh, um, um, difficult to, uh, for the Packers to prepare for and difficult for the Packers to defend when we're using all of our uh, all of our weapons and the wide variety of fashions that we can utilize them. Yeah. Um, just very briefly here, you mentioned, you know, we're, we're going back a few minutes now, but you said if Jordy Nelson's even out there for 10 to 15 plays, you, you think if he plays, that's, that's all he's going to be out there for. Well, I think we've got it. We've got enough guys at, uh, at wide receiver and we have uh, uh, enough talent at wide receiver to where if he's, you know, let, let's face it, if he's going to be, you know, more fit a week from now to be able to make a significant impact in an NFC championship game, if, uh, assuming the Packers are able to be victorious this weekend in Dallas, um, you know, I, 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 what's is Jordy Nelson at 70 percent better than, you know, Allison at 100 percent in uh, uh, today? I, I, I don't know. I mean, Allison, I mean, his has, ribs aren't going to affect his legs. Right. But I just, I, I guess, uh, you know, there's a mental part of the game as well. And yeah. when the ball's up in the air and uh, he's going to grab a grab a pass, is he thinking about protecting his his uh, his his ribs true, or, true. Um, you know, like that, that, you know, that that that's the piece of the game that uh, that I'm wondering is, you know, what is going to be his tolerance for pain? And, uh, you know, when uh, when there is that 50 50 ball with uh, the ball in the air, what type of are we going to see the Jordy Nelson that we've just known and loved for the last you know, decade or so. So that's, uh, that's the piece of it that I really wonder about. Um, so j- just to clarify here, even though he's been listed as did not practice on the injury report, Mike McCarthy has said Jordy Nelson has been working with the rehab group. What specifically that means and how much he's done is up to anyone's interpretation. So Scott, now how does the game plan change if Nelson is totally not able to go whatsoever? You know, I think that uh, um, the the game plan doesn't have to change, frankly, all that much. And, uh, you know, I think that the game plan has to be to establish some sort of a, of a running game. And and maybe that running game uh, um, is, is, uh, is, is the short pass to Ty Montgomery. You know, the first, you know, both teams are so different than they were when we played earlier in the year, Mm -hmm. but you know, where the Packers really, did a lot of damage to them offensively was on the short pass to Montgomery. I think Montgomery caught double digit balls and they just couldn't stop him. And we, you know, we kind of lost our patience in that game, I think both offensively and defensively. Mm-hmm. And, be- and because of it, uh, we, we almost stopped going to it at, uh, for stretches and we're taking big shots when we maybe didn't need to do it. But I think if, if Rogers can just stay patient and get to that short passing attack game that, you know, similar to what we saw against the, uh, 
um, you know, the Bears and uh, and the Thursday night game and the week after against Atlanta, where it was the ball was quick to get out of Rodgers' hands. Mm -hmm. And he was he was using the back out of the backfield, whether that back was Devontae Adams or Ty Montgomery. (laughs) It didn't matter. Right. Like we were uh, the ball was was quick and we were forcing you know, the linebackers and the cornerbacks to make tackles and guys who are elusive in the open field. And, you know, that that for me becomes the number one component, um, you know, of this uh, of this attack is a quick passing game, assuming that the Cowboys are going to be aggressive in their approach to try and pester the Packers at the line of scrimmage through a wide variety of blitzes and not knowing where they're coming from. And, uh, you know, they've shown great disguise as a defense this year. And uh, and that's allowed them for so you know a lot of turnovers against us included, I might add. So I, I think just having that designed where Rodgers is going to have a safety valve option, uh, nearly every pass play, and and notably going to be the, uh, the the back out of the backfield. I think that's going to be a, a, a really important uh, facet to how the Packers should be approaching, um, you know, the Cowboys this weekend. Additionally, I don't think there's an answer for Jared Cook. And I, I, I really don't. I, I think that, you know, we're, we're continuing to see him more and more involved in this offense. But one piece we haven't seen yet is Jared Cook out of a three-point stance running down the seam. And uh, where maybe it, it appears as though it's a run play, but it's play action. And it's, uh, it's, it's Cook streaking down the middle of the field. And, it, uh, you know, as I've, uh, as I've been sort of imagining this game, I, I keep thinking back to the 1995 NFC Championship where Keith Jackson was, uh, you know, streaking down the middle of the field in that game. Um, and, and I believe that was out of a three-point stance as well. And I just feel like that is one of the uh, one of the big mismatches that the Packers might have this game is if they are if they, they can get the Cowboys playing single high safety, um, you know, get, uh, get Cook to the weak side of the field, three-point stance, and you have them on a go route, play-action pass, I think there could be a big play or two out of a formation like that. And, uh, you know, I'm envisioning a, a, you know, hundred, hundred yard performance out of cook, which is something we haven't seen this year from him. So um, that would be the way that I would be attacking whether Nelson is, is going to be playing or, or he's not going to be playing quite frankly. It's going to be fascinating to see whether he plays or not. And uh, I'd love to see that too, him streaking down the field from, you know, lining up in tight in the three-point stance. You got to be thinking like they've been setting this up all season long where he hasn't really done that and now they break it out. But Scott, let's turn to defense here. Uh, We're back to the all-hands-on-deck presumption. Uh, So we're assuming Quint Rollins will be back from his concussion on Sunday. Um, we could talk about guys like Ladarius Gunter and Demarius Randall in a second, but I think this provides a good opportunity to discuss Rollins. Even if he's available, what role does he play? And I'll throw this out there, Scott. How much better is Rollins in the slot as opposed to an outside cornerback? Well, Rollins is, I think you and I have been saying since pre-draft that we thought that Rollins would be a better (laughs) Better, uh, uh, you know, slot cornerback, and potentially, I think you even mentioned back in, uh, you know, pre-draft that he was, uh, uh, you know, potentially a safety even, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, uh, uh, he he just has not been able to run. He hasn't been able to get his hands on people and jam them off the route. And because of it, uh, when he's uh, when he's playing on the perimeter, he's just given uh, what a seven-yard window for a wide receiver to get off the line of scrimmage, and then 
you know, I, I don't know if it's a, a fear that of Rollins is that he's just not going to be fast enough or what. But, you know, one of his one of the things that's interesting about it is it was considered to be his, his hands were considered to be a strength of his coming out of college because of his, his basketball background. And that just hasn't been utilized in. Um, you know, so if Rollins is available, I, I, I don't even, you know, I think he's going to be a fourth cornerback. I don't know how you can take Micah Hyde off the field. I mean, this team wouldn't be in the playoffs without Micah Hyde. Mm-hmm. And um, um, so I, I, I just believe at this stage he's a safety valve, potentially a gunner on special teams opposite Janice, um, especially with Dorlean's in- injury. Um, I, you know, I, I just uh, that that's the way that I would be utilizing him. I would have Randall. On, as a, on a perimeter, I would have Gunter on a perimeter, and I'd have Hyde in the slot. That would be the way that I'd be attacking. So, all this being said, you know, just how good did Randall and Gunter play last week against the the New York Giants? Because uh, you know, we assume they're going to be out there in the pretty much the same roles they played last week. Are you there, Scott? Yeah, I thought I lost it there for a second. <laughs> no problem. I, I, did you hear I, my I think... question? I, you cut out for one second. Okay, which... so, so I was just saying, you know, uh, this provides an opportunity now to discuss Randall and uh, Ladarius Gunter, um, you know, who both had to play with without Mike, uh, Quentin Rollins last week, and they played very well, and uh, assume they're going to be playing the same role this week, uh, injury or no injury. You know, the thing that's really interesting about Randall is, and I've, I've made this comment a number of times, but as burnt as he's gotten this year, he's one of the guys in our secondary or on our defense as a whole. They almost expect him to make a play as well. And, uh, you know, a, playing cornerback is a lot like a shooter in basketball where it, it, so much of it is just confidence. And sometimes you need that layup to, uh, to, to, to make the three points, uh, you know, shot feel that much better. And you, got, you almost got to wonder if that interception that, that Randall had on, what essentially the last play of the game against the giants is going to be something that really continues to spark his, uh, um, you know, his, his fire inside and, Mm -hmm. and and, uh, to breed confidence to maybe bring out the excellence that you and I thought that he would play with prior to the season. Right. And, you know, when, when I look at both Randall and Gunter, a little bit about it is, is luck. Like you need some fortune when you're playing cornerback as well, because you are out in an Island. You know, we saw some drops that uh, that aided in the in their performance, and it almost seemed like you know the defense grew, their confidence grew as the game went along against the Giants, and they started to figure things out. Maybe that's a testament to Dom Capers, who we're oftentimes hard on, um, but the the defense just continued to reinvent itself, and they made their adjustments to uh, to 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 adapt to uh, uh, to the to the way the game was going, and I think that that was largely. You know, Rollins or, or not Rollins, but Randall and, and Gunter, uh, where they went from, you know, being uh, being playing off of the Giants receivers to getting in their face a little bit more, I felt, as the game went along. And, uh, you know, we, we can only hope that uh, that that same sort of thing is going to happen this week against Dallas. And there's some similarities between the Dallas receivers, I think, and the and the and the Giant receivers where. You know, they've got guys who can play both in the slot and in the perimeter. And and I know that uh, Beasley is largely just a slot receiver, but guys like Terrence Williams and, and, and Des Bryant can be moved around and they can line up in different places. So I'll be curious to see if, uh, you know, is Capers going to give, um, you know, a Gunter the assignment to just follow Bryant along, just, around just like he, he kind of did uh, to Odell Beckham or, or what is going to be the uh, – 
uh, the approach from a, a strategic strategic perspective for Dom Capers. Yeah, that was interesting last week, and I, I don't know what's going to happen this week. He very well could shadow a guy like uh, Des Bryant, uh, who, of course, is is uh, known for the infamous catch-no-catch catch, uh, in the playoffs against the Packers just two seasons ago, and uh, that'll be a storyline behind this whole game uh, all game long. Okay, Scott, now for the uh, let, let's go for the contingency plan scenario that was in effect as recently as week 17 against the Lions when Rollins and Randall and McAdorleant were all out and the Packers had no choice but to move Micah Hyde to a perimeter cornerback position and move Morgan Burnett to a slot cornerback. I think this gives us a good opportunity now to dis- discuss Hyde a little bit more in depth. I know we touched on him before, but... Uh, he's going to be a free agent at season's end. He played very well in the Lions game outside, but I've been very skeptical about him out on an island in the past. What do you think about the play of Micah Hyde? I mean, Micah Hyde is going to get paid this offseason. I don't know if it's going to be in Green Bay or it's going to be elsewhere, but Micah Hyde has made himself some significant money during this stretch run and just the way that he's been utilized, whether it's been covering the tight end in Philadelphia or making the, the, you know, the the game saving play potentially against Chicago on third down, down near the goal line or, uh, you know, the interception when he was in single coverage on an Island against golden Tate near the goal line, right. To Mm -hmm. uh, uh, all but clinch that game as well. I mean, Hyde has been in, in large part a savior for this defense and the way that he's been able to be utilized and just such a sure tackler and a smart, savvy, trusted veteran. And, uh, you know, championship teams need guys like Micah Hyde. You know, he's, he's sort of the jack of all trades. You just get a feeling like he's going to make a huge game and, or a huge play in the special teams game as well. Like, I, I, I really think, and we can get to this in maybe a little bit, but I just really feel like special teams could be a big difference in this game this weekend. And I think Micah Hyde might make the game-changing play. And he, just, he has just added so much consistency to this team. And he's not like the flashy guy. He's not going to be the, you know, the, the, the cornerback that um, is going to, you know, you know, get all the headlines. But he's just a sure tackler who uh, you know what you're going to get out of Mike Hyde week in and week out and uh, has been a true steadying influence to our defense at a time when, you know, we were uh, we were on the brink of collapsing. And uh, he's really brought a bit of glue to the defense and. Uh, um, and, and, and really been in, in large part a lockdown player for the team. The, the way you just kind of listed all his contributions this season really does uh, tell you how big of a role he's played for the Packers this year. Some some enterprising reporter out there should be doing a feature on him and kind of highlighting those things, and, and they probably will when it comes time for free agency and they start to decide whether or not he'll be back in Green Bay. Uh, so it's probably only a matter of time. But, yeah, he's really been a key figure for the Packers, and it's only grown of late as he's taken on a bigger role both on defense and on special teams. You know, he didn't start the season as their punt returner, but he's ending it, and he's probably not relinquishing that role anytime soon back to a guy like Randall Cobb or anybody else for that matter. Um, I, I guess, Scott, this kind of leads us to uh, our game predictions here. What, what do you think is going to happen on Sunday? Can you give me a score, and, and how is it going to play out? 
you know, I think both teams sort of play with like a, a bend but don't break defense. They rely on that third down sack or that big turnover. And I really think that this game is going to come down to, um, you know, having what happens when each team has the ball, not necessarily inside the red zone, because I don't know how frequently each team will get there. But uh, inside the 30-yard line and uh, what type of results we get from uh, uh, inside the 30-yard line. And if you look back to, you know, when we met the first time, the Cowboys really, I mean, I mean they, made, they made hay there. And the Packers oftentimes either turned the ball over or uh, um, went for it on fourth down when they were just outside that mark and, uh, and didn't convert. So we spent a lot of time in, inside Cowboys territory earlier in the year and we ended up with 16 points and that was just a different version of Aaron Rodgers that was a different version of the Green Bay Packers offense we were still in a little bit of a funk and and I feel like we're out well we're clearly out of that right now and uh, I think we're a tougher team to defend we have less predictability and I and I really feel like this uh, this version of the Green Bay Packers is going to um, uh, you know, going to be able to stick the ball in the end zone against this team, and our offensive line is 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 going to really be up to a task of saying, "Hey, you know, the Cowboys might be billed as the best offensive line in the NFL, but we're pretty damn good too." And uh, they're going to play with a chip on their shoulder and keep Rodgers upright. And I think put Rodgers in a position to have a really good game. And on the contrary, you know, if if I'm Jason Garrett, I'm running the football 45 times. And uh, even when it's third and seven, that's a rundown for me. And uh, um, I, I am not going to lose this game with uh, with a big interception or the strip sack. Or um, and even though Dak Prescott is is arguably, even though he's a rookie, arguably as good as any uh, play action passer, and, and and he's just got that fake down and he rolls out and you know he's tough to bring down in the open field. He's physical. He's fast. He's smart. He protects the football and plays like a, a grizzly old vet. But I would just try to run the football against the Packers. But I think that oftentimes we've seen Jerry, Jason Garrett be the type of guy who gets uh, gets uh, um, a little bullheaded himself and uh, gets greedy and tries for the for the big play when it's maybe not necessary. I think we saw that the last time the Packers played the Cowboys in uh, in Dallas when the Packers had the big Matt Flynn led comeback, right? <laughs> and and uh, um, and and you know. Romo was throwing passes when he had no business throwing passes, and the Packers' defense made a couple of big plays late to win the game. You know, I, I kind of feel like we're gonna we're gonna outcoach them. I think that special teams is gonna be a um, a, uh, a a deciding factor for the Packers, especially in the punt game. I think Hyde's gonna have a, an opportunity to make a big play, and I also think a name that nobody talks about, who I think has been a real steadying influence to the special teams units, has been Jordan Tripp. Interesting signing is. Come in and he yes. immediately made made plays, and uh, wouldn't surprise me if he's uh, if he's uh, his name isn't called uh, by by uh, by Buck and Aikman this uh, this weekend after after making a big play. So I, I think that uh, um, I think what it comes down to it, both teams are spending a lot of time in inside each other's territory. I think the Packers are getting touchdowns, and and the Cowboys are going to be uh, be held to field goals. And I see something where the, the Cowboys are going to get, you know, four field goals, two touchdowns, six scores. The Packers get four touchdowns and a field goal. And uh, at this stage, I'm, I'm projecting 31-26. And the Packers get that coveted spot in the NFC Championship game. Sounds good. Sounds good. The, the only type of analysis you'll get here at Railbird Central where we're talking about 
the special teams contributions of Jordan Tripp. But I, I think that is big because, you know, you, you hear the Packers sign a linebacker a few weeks ago and you, you wonder, oh, well, how does he fit into the defense? Well, it, it that that's like secondary to like all he's done on special teams, which has been huge. He's out there on practically every unit and he's out there making tackles and, and he's, he has been a good addition to this Packers team. So anyway, Scott, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us as you do every month. Uh, we'll talk to you uh, by the time we talk to you next time. Uh, the season's going to be over. So hopefully we're talking about a Packers Super Bowl victory, I guess. So, uh, but thanks a lot. Go Pack Go, Brian. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Scott McKenna of the Talking Smack blog. Talking to us here at Railbird Central on a Friday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. Packers news of the day. I don't really have any more Packers news than I've kind of already offered up and over the course of discussion already. But what I did want to do is is offer my prediction now that uh, we've let Scott go so I can take a second and give you my two cents here. Uh, last week, I was looking for reasons to pick the New York Giants, and I'm glad I didn't in retrospect. Um, I'm a big believer in confidence and momentum, and I know you only have momentum until you don't anymore. It only takes one loss to disrupt it and end a season. And, you know, the, the skeptics will say, oh, there's no such thing as momentum. But this team is on a seven-game win streak, and I'm I'm feeling weirdly confident right now in the Packers continuing that. I'm not saying it's going to be, I'm so confident they're going to blow the Cowboys out or anything like that. Far from it. But I just do get this feeling that this team is, is, is just, you know, on the, in the right frame of mind right now. And they're so hot and it, it just reminds me of the, the season just, you know, six seasons ago, back in 2010, when they got so hot and carried it, on the road in the playoffs, uh, I know this time they actually had a home game, but you know, remember in 2010, they had to go on the road every game of the playoffs, and that included some upsets along the way, and I, I, I see the Packers upsetting the Cowboys. Now, let me tell you, the, the thing that scares me is, and you know, Scott alluded to this as well, and this is by no means an original idea of mine, or, you know, that... I'm sure this scares everybody listening to the show is is the Dallas Cowboys running game and, and specifically their offensive line and how good it is and and just looking at the the you know the matchup you know earlier this season during the regular season and how well the Cowboys did and how well they ran against the Green Bay Packers ran over them and not a whole lot has changed as far as the run defense that, you know, the front seven goes. Uh, maybe a little bit of things here and there. I mean, but I, I mean, that, that still kind of scares me a little bit that the Cowboys are going to have success doing that, especially against, you know, uh, a guy who was playing so well for the Packers earlier this season is Nick Perry. And now you got to think he's going to be less effective against the run considering his club cast. And you've got, uh, Clay Matthews, who's been less able to take on blockers with the shoulder injury he's having. So that really worries me. But I mean, maybe I'm more, I'm not 
you know, I'm worrying about the wrong guys. If if, if it's the maybe the big uglies uh, down in the trenches, if they do their job, maybe that's all we need to worry about. I, I mean, it's always guys like Mike Daniels and Latroy Guyon doing the dirty work that they get no recognition for. But, you know, when they're doing their job and tying up blockers and, and plugging holes, and that's what allows other people to just make solid tackles. I, I mean, all we need, we, we don't need Jake Ryan to be making spectacular plays, but we need to make him make tackles for three-yard gains, two-yard gains. When he's doing that, that's great, um, and, and I I hope that's what's going to happen on Sunday. I, like I said, I, I for some strange reason I'm I, I'm always the type of guy who thinks with my head instead of my heart when doing this kind of thing because I I just don't I, I think it's it's a disservice to you guys if I'm just going to say uh oh, the Packers go sixteen and zero and I'm the type of guy who refuses to pick them to lose, but. You know, I, I, I'm strangely confident in the Packers winning here. I went with a tight score. I'm going 27-26 Packers. I'm not exactly sure how the the Cowboys score 26. Maybe they're chasing points at some point, and uh, it, it comes back to bite them. Uh, wouldn't that be a way to win uh, if you're the Green Bay Packers? Uh, but sure, Packers win 27-26. They advance, and uh, that does it. The day ahead. On Friday, uh, keeping this very brief, uh, Packers released their final injury report of the week here on Friday. And, you know, you know, it's not probably a whole lot to look forward to today. Everybody wants to know about Jordy Nelson, but the Packers and Mike McCarthy have been very upfront all along saying it's Saturday. It's Saturday that matters. So whatever they list Jordy Nelson for on Friday uh, doesn't matter. His his status will be determined on Saturday where the Packers will probably give an update on their injury report, uh, even though they don't have to. They 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 will if it's warranted. So we're looking for that on, on Saturday. And uh, the game itself, it's a 3.40 p.m. kickoff televised nationally on Fox. Once again, you'll be having uh, Troy Aikman and, and Joe Buck uh, uh, calling the action whether you've signed a petition or not, which is really silly in my opinion. <clears throat> I, I I like Joe Buck. I don't like Joe Troy Aikman as a color color analyst, um, uh, color commentary. I think he's just average. There are certainly worse ones out there than him, um, but I, I don't particularly like listening to his he, I mean he's he says some good things no doubt uh it's not all good or all bad you can't play, paint it as black and white whatever I've talked more than I should about this topic enjoy the game folks 3 40 p.m central time kickoff uh you should be able to watch it no matter where you are in the nation uh and many places even internationally when you get to the playoffs um so enjoy it we'll see you folks have a good weekend. We'll break it all down on Monday, and uh, hopefully we're talking about a Packers victory. Thanks to Scott McKenna of the Talking Smack blog for joining us here at Railbird Central on a Friday morning. My call to action, as always, as usual, if you've not done so already, please give us a rating and a review on iTunes. It's the one small thing we ask. The show is free of charge, no subscription, no paywall. So if you could do us a solid 
head to iTunes, search Cheesehead TV. It'll pop right up. Give us that five-star rating. Brief little review. Doesn't have to be anything long. But we'd appreciate it because we uh, think it's a service to Green Bay Packers fans and helps them find this show. We'll see you, folks. I leave it today with a song called The Place That I Call Home by the infamous String Dusters on Psy Fidelity Records. See ya. Go Pack Go.